Sheila Zielinski Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, Sheila Zielinski. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Sheila Zielinski Show for this Wednesday edition. As you know, I broadcast weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time right here on WINB. And of course, going back to WWCR in October. And of course, you can find more ways to listen just by going to the Listen tab there at WeekendVigilante.com. Hey, take advantage of those new customized apps for Android and smart devices. We are getting a lot of good feedback on that. You know, I sent out a survey a few years back and 92% of those surveys that came back wanted those. So... I listen to you, and that is why we have those apps. I need to share some very disturbing information with my listeners, something that I'm trying to get resolved. It appears that Amazon.com is not really liking the Power Pars book too much. Listen, if you ever want to see someone have opposition on this book, Carl and I will have to do a show one day on what we have endured this last year with this book, particularly the last three months and the last week that it was to come out. Well, I personally, I've never seen anything like that. We need to do a show along with Redemption Press at some point in the future to talk about some of this absolute backlash and retaliation. The emails that I am getting from angry people And I mean, some of them are downright nasty to me. They'll never order another book off me again, etc. And I've got to call into the highest level of Author Central at Amazon to see what is going on here. They're putting my book shipping date, get this, October 27th in some cases. In a lot of cases, it's even saying the book is not available. Amazon.ca is really messing with it as well. Um... Gee, let's look at the calendar. Hmm, it's Wednesday, the 14th of September. And what should be a two-day turnaround is taking a month and 14 days. Yeah, I don't think so. So both the publisher and myself are trying to get to the bottom of this. I know what happened when Green Gospel was first launched. It was it was a problem then as well. And I knew that's why I kept telling people, pre-order the book. Because sadly, this is what happens when you deal with some companies. As a lot of you know, the very first day the book came out, the savings on the book was $6.66. That, to me, is not a coincidence. The big savings the first day, six six six. Really? So I share your frustration for those of you who are trying to get the book. We are working on this. So we're hoping to get those turnaround times less than a couple days And trust me, this is more frustrating for me than it is you. So if you've recently ordered the book and you're getting some harassment like that, you get a hold of me. You know what my contact information there is at weekendvigilante.com. And I will make sure that I personally send you the PDF of the book in the meantime. It really actually goes to show you how the devil feels about this book. This isn't some little cutesy book. The devil is rip-roaring mad about this thing. Again... If you are getting a bizarre shipping date from Amazon, you get a hold of me and I'll personally make sure you get a copy of the PDF as soon as possible. Those of us out on the front lines really need to be lifted up in prayer as well. 
when you're going to go after the enemy, you're going to experience resistance like you never have. So this is one example of that. Well, guess what? Good news. I have a great guest today. My guest is Patrick Wood. He is the author of Technocracy Rising, which ironically is always paired on Amazon. Speaking of Amazon, it always says that Green Gospel, my book, and his book, Technocracy Rising, are bought together. They're often paired together, which is very interesting. He is a good friend of the program, and it is my pleasure to have him back on the show today. We're going to get into some really interesting stuff. Patrick Wood, it is always a pleasure to have you on, sir. Welcome back. Hi, Sheila. Likewise. And that is kind of, uh, well, it's not odd, but it's, uh, it's great that our books are displayed together. Uh, I noticed that as well. Listen, Patrick, you know, I got to read you a few of these headlines. I'm going to see if you pick up on a theme that I've noticed because barely a day goes by now when I'm not noticing this. Now, I'm going to read a couple headlines, see if you're picking up this. Pentagon chiefs fear Terminator could come true with advanced robot weapons wiping out humanity. Next headline, the Robot Baby Project. Amsterdam researchers have decided to make robots that can mate and reproduce. Welcome to our new robo-lords. Robots outnumber humans as swarms of machines are unleashed. Scientists say we'll soon be able to control vast armies of robots using our smartphones. Police robots patrolling around the world. Here's another one. Marines testing the machine-wielding death robot. Military robotics makers see a future for armed police robot. Oh, and here's one. Muslims testing out robots. What are we talking about here, Patrick? Kamikaze bots, jihadi bots. Boy, Fukushima's radiation so potent, even robots can't survive. Hmm, I wonder what the theme is here, Patrick. <laughs> That's quite a mouthful. I, you, you were able to say it without tripping up. I would have had trouble. There's, there's one headline I just put up on technocracy.news titled, Robo Crook. Computers and robots will commit more crimes than humans by 2040. <laughs> wow. You know, there's just, there's no end to this stuff. It seems like the, the, the technocrats have gone wild. You know, even though technocracy is a replacement economic system, we must remember that the designated overlords are the scientists and engineers. They want to be the ones who will control every aspect of economic and social life uh, throughout the world, actually, but we see it in our country, in their quest for efficiency and their quest for control, robots make perfect sense. You know, if you kind of put yourself in their shoes, would you rather have to try and control, say, 100 million people, which is kind of like herding cats, or would you like to control 100 million robots, which are always responsive to your computer algorithms that you programmed in? Well, of course, the engineer and scientist types are going to go for the robots every time because they don't talk back. They do exactly what you tell them to do. Well, most of the time. <laughs> you get my point. So robots are a clear choice for a technocrat. And now that the cat has been let out of the bag, so to speak, it's just going wild. There's an arms race on, a global arms race going on right now. Every major power is involved in this. And they're creating military-grade robots that will be uh, unattended, autonomous killing machines. And the next war clearly is going to be a war between robots. They say that themselves. So it's, cra it's a crazy world, Sheila. 
And what could go wrong, Patrick, really? Because, you know, hey, after all, what could possibly go wrong when you got these crime-fighting robots equipped with self-defense instincts? And then, of course, there's a new robot that, I don't know if you saw this headline a few months back, it said, there was a new robot that can intentionally hurt humans. This fella claimed his robot was the first to intentionally be designed to harm or injure human beings. So, you know, then you have to wonder, are we meeting our future executioners? It says AI disasters prove why humanity will be exterminated by our own creations. I mean, this is techno serfdom by stealth beginning in full fury, isn't it? Well, it is. Robots are, of course, just kind of a a small part. It's a big, it's big in the sense it's sensational, but it's a small part of the overall uh, design of technocracy. When the technocrats originally said that, that they wanted to create a scientifically engineered society, they intended to use their scientific method on every possible aspect of society. That includes, that would include, of course, law enforcement, all of the economic aspects, the manufacturing of goods, the distribution of goods, and the consumption of goods. That means they'll tell you what you can and can't buy and consume. Uh, where you travel, what you do, you know, the kind of lifestyle you have, all that, all that sort of stuff. It's a resource-based economic system where they will meter out what they think is appropriate for you and I. Whether we like it or not is immaterial. If we have an allotment to do, you know, to have a certain food or a certain thing or a certain type of vehicle, that's going to be it. And when we look around at other scientific things, well, we, yeah, we come across the robot thing pretty quickly. But you also come across things like, um, like President Obama's brain initiative that he kicked off uh, this last uh, election cycle, which will dump hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars into mapping the human brain. Well, isn't that convenient? Uh, <laughs> mapping the human brain. Why on earth would he want to map the human brain? It's amazing. In fact, this is the headline that's up on top headline on Technocracy News right now. Obama hired behavioral experts to expand the use of government programs. Now, what he did is he hired 20 top-level social and behavioral research experts, most of whom are neuroscientists. That means the brainy ones. They they look inside the brain to see what is ticking. And Obama is using the research from his brain initiative, feeding it to his top SWAT team, if you will. I think it's called the Social and Behavioral Science Team, SBST. They got an acronym for it. And it's functioning under the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy. It's right under the president. And he's sitting there telling these guys, figure out how to get people to be more dependent on government programs. This is absolutely insane. People say, well, why would he want to do that? Well, listen, under technocracy, the citizens are required to be 100% dependent on the scientific leadership of these technocrats. They want to provide every conceivable material and psychological requirement for life. And so... That's exactly what these people are doing, Sheila. And you can just see how this, you know, how this information, like mapping the human brain, is going to play out in real life. People like Obama are going to use behavioral experts to interpret the research and then turn it on you and I for our, let's say, for our displeasure or for our, perhaps, harm. Well, this is just... 
Again, it's techno serfdom. And, you know, what's really frightening, too, on the heels of this, I mean, it's not bad enough you have everyday, you know, Google speech generation breakthrough of all this AI advancements, Oculus Rift, all this virtual reality. I mean, this really is, Patrick, I think. It's just minority report means 1984, isn't it? Well, it is, and pre-crime analysis is on the lips of law enforcement all around America. In fact, really around the world, but we live here, so we we can talk about North America, I guess. Uh, pre-crime analysis is trickling down into almost every law enforcement uh, unit around uh, North America. And the idea, of course, is to put monitoring systems out in the community to determine kind of, you know, listening post, if you will, see what's going on. And then feed in all of the information they can get on the citizens of that unit, whatever it is, a town, a city, a a community, whatever. And then try and use all that information to figure out who's most likely to commit a crime. And their their idea is that, well, I'll just head off the crime before it happens. Well, this is like, you know, you you have a bunch of, I, I say nutcakes, but you have a bunch of nutcakes essentially running around with crystal balls. They all have, you know, they all have their own little private crystal ball with this pre-crime stuff. They don't know what the future is going to do. They have n- absolutely no idea, but they think they do. That's what's scary about this. And so when their algorithm pops up and says, "Well, you know, Shields Zelensky is likely to be committing a crime in this following week," well, they're going to come out, send people out to tail you and to dog you just waiting for you to do something that they can arrest you for. Well, Patrick, this is insanity. I, I, it is insanity. I am a criminal, actually, according to their, under the auspices of what they describe as a criminal. It's anyone who's a conservative Christian conspiracy kook. I'm also, by the way, apparently Islamophobic. I'm homophobic and the whole <laughs> litany. Oh, and by the way, I'm a terrorist and I'm also a bigot and I'm racist. So, I mean, surely I'm going to commit a crime any moment. <laughs> I think you're, you're, I don't even need a software program for that one, uh, Sheila. I could, I could tell you, yeah, that, go get that one, Eric. She, they might as well really just bad. lock me up today. But, you know, it's not surprising, Patrick, though, even the internet coming under the control of the United Nations, the cornucopia of all this technocracy where citizens are required to, of course, be 100% dependent on this scientific dictatorship of the technocrats. Absolutely control every conceivable. We're just supposed to acquiesce to everything. We talked about on another show, I remember. It's like they want us in these, you know, the stack and packs. They want us out of the rural areas into these urban city pack and stacks. And I often have people email me about this comment you made on my show because I thought this is I don't think people quite got it at the time. And it is so astute when you picked up on this. You said, it's kind of like when you go to a bank machine and you put in your card and they've said, oh, you've exceeded your daily limit. Soon and very soon come into a city near you. They're going to tell you, Patrick, you've exceeded your carbon footprint. The green Gestapo, they're coming soon to a city near you, folks. I'm sorry, Patrick, you're unable to travel this month. Want to buy some carbon credits? <laughs> I mean, this is no joke, though. This is frightening. Or, yeah, your driving allowance, uh, your, your, the ability to get on an airplane or whatever. They, they're able even now to create, and artificially as well, to create a global footprint score on you and I simply by observing purchase habits, 
by observing our online activity, which most of us, you know, you and I at least are pretty active online. There's quite a bit of material out there. But they analyze all this stuff, and they can figure out very, very closely who is consuming more than what they view as their fair share, right? And so it's, uh, it's pretty easy to, to calculate a definitive score. When, when you cross over the threshold, you're all of a sudden going to have constraints kick in on you. And the constraints might seem to be unrelated to, you know, what you're really dealing with. Like you might not, if you went to buy a plane ticket to, you know, go to a funeral or something and say in Pittsburgh, you might not immediately associate your inability to buy that ticket uh, with your carbon footprint or with the type of house you have or the type of car that you just bought. But they can figure those things out. And they can use those as a constraining factor to limit your choices in the future. So most of the time, I think if, 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 if we understand it like you and I do at this point, we probably will catch on pretty quickly. But most people will not have a clue what happened because they don't see this dynamic working at all. Well, I so agree. And we really see this confluence of everything coming together. I mean, if it's not CERN or magnetosphere disruptions, it's plasma conduits, directed energy weapons, terraforming, the nanotech, the biotech, it's quantum computing, transhumanism. And then you throw in the mix this AI and the new quantum computer and the God knows the new holographic tech is another nightmare. So it's really kind of the, I mean, look at the modern global military arms race, autonomous warfare relying on what? Drones, these robotic drones and firepower with robots. I mean, this is a sci-fi. Craziness. You've got um, all aspects of the military uh, automated now to some extent. And you know it's going to get much more sophisticated as time goes on. But you have uh, air-powered drones, of course, that fly in the sky. Those have been in use for quite some time. You now have naval drones that not only can operate underneath the water, but also on the surface of the water autonomously. Our Navy has just launched a, a brand-new type of a ship that will be able to cruise the, the coastal areas and stuff and act as listening posts and watching posts uh, for anything that's going on militarily in these areas. You know, you've got, uh, for, for the infantry and stuff, you've got uh, robots now that are uh, like little track layer type of uh, robots that will virtually go anywhere and can pack any type of armament you can imagine that could be uh, put on it. So, you know, pretty much there's something to serve everybody at this point in the military, and they're just going crazy over this technology. And uh, our old friend DARPA, don't forget DARPA, they're the research arm of the military, uh, kind of the black hats of research, if you will. DARPA is pushing this stuff to the limit so that they can gain superiority in the battlefield. And they're sponsoring projects all over the place to create more of this kind of stuff. And I have to say, Pandora's box has been opened. And I can't imagine how anybody is going to put the lid back on Pandora's box again to stop this craziness. Pandora's box, indeed. And let's not forget about DARPA, the super arm of the military. What is it responsible for? Oh, the development of emerging technologies for use by the military. And let's not forget it was created in 58 by President Eisenhower. And its purpose was, hmm, let me think, expand the frontiers of technology and science. 
Back then they were saying, oh, it was created in response to the Soviet launching of Sputnik in 57. So we got to make sure we're more sophisticated than the potential enemies out there on the horizon. That is a whole show in itself. But I'm going to tell you, the stuff they are doing behind closed doors over there at DARPA is frightening to the millionth degree. Well, and you know, it's funny you brought up DARPA, Patrick, because look at some of these headlines. The military wants a way to track drones flying over cities. That's just yesterday. A team of hackers has changed the future of computing forever. How have they done that? On the stage in front of the audience in Las Vegas were no humans in the audience at all. There were just seven supercomputers demonstrating for the first time that the security of networks, computers, and the very internet itself by fully autonomous systems independent of any human control. Oh, another beauty DARPA headline. DARPA working to make homes that can grow and repair themselves. Think you can take out a swarm of attack drones? Well, DARPA wants to hear from you. Because after all, the Pentagon is thinking about the future and how to shoot it down. I mean, essentially, DARPA is the Pentagon's future project's wings, right? So, in other words, they want a laser weapon to shoot down flying robots. Chew on that for a minute, folks. Well, it's, it, I, I would point out that back in the early 2000s, I think it was 2002, it was DARPA who really began the technological push to achieve transhumanism. Their idea was to specifically to create a super soldier. Uh, however, they could you know, manipulate the human condition to make a more uh, a violent, efficient fighting machine uh, with humans, of course. They were the ones that really kicked it off with, uh, with money and stuff uh, spread around to universities for studies and whatever. And the transhumans before that period of time, before to the year 2000, for instance, the transhuman movement was primarily a metaphysical movement. They, in other words, they sat around, they contemplated their navel, you know, hoped for something that would come along. Now they're not hoping anymore. Now they see what they consider evidence, you know, like, yeah, man, this piece of scientific stuff, you know, this nanotechnology, that biotechnology, you know, genetic uh, engineering. You've got the CRISPR-Cas9 yeah, technology yeah. now that's, uh, that's hit the, the genetic engineering market. All these things now are viewed as evidence by the transhumans. But the whole transhuman movement was almost incidental to DARPA. A DARPA could care less about the overall movement. But... But their idea was to create a super soldier, okay? So whatever the rest of the transhumans who have jumped on board on this technology, DARPA's just licking their, you know, licking their chops and clapping their hands, saying, come on, boys, come one, come all. Uh, you know, everybody get on the research bandwagon, and if you discover something, just give it to us first. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, don't forget us. Give it to us first so, so we could use it to create a super soldier and, you know, heaven help us, you know, we don't need super soldiers to fight anybody in the planet. And, you know, what, what's really concerning, if, if these so-called super soldiers are ever turned on the people of a nation, I just cannot imagine what, what that would be like. Well, I just had a thought. I thought, you know, here we <laughs> we're in an age of transhuman, transgendered, translating Google software. Good <laughs> Lord. You had a very interesting headline I want to talk about, delve a little deeper into. And again, it's Google's DeepMind unit. Now, According to this UK-based DeepMind, which, of course, we know Google acquired for about, what, 500 million pounds. If you do a quick 
calculation, that's about, what, $550 million in mm-hmm. U.S. So they call it WaveNet that can mimic human speech patterns. They're really trying to make a, well, I guess you'd call it a chat bot, really, wouldn't you? Well, that's where it's going to be applied. It, it, it has much broader implications, I think, than just a chat bot which is like when you call up a support line any, you know, anymore and you're talking to them, that most of the time you can tell you're talking to some kind of a robotic program. That's called a chat bot. And they're not really very intelligent. You know, they say, say or press zero you know, to go to the operator or something. Um, <clears throat> you can tell this reading. You can tell it's pretty much a computer voice. What they're doing with this new technology is they're trying to create a natural human voice that can be told, however it would, through AI or however, could be told to speak whatever it want, they wanted to speak. And you could not tell that you're not talking to a literal human. Now, you know, people say, well, so what? You know, how, how, what difference does it make if I'm, if I'm talking to a real naturally sounding voice or a robot voice? Well, listen, your whole mindset changes. If, you're, if you think you're talking to a human, you begin to relate to that program as a human. And this will mess with your mind just and it'll rewire your mind when you cannot tell the difference between a human and an artificial intelligence driven voice that you think is human when you lose that distinction you're going to go nuts because you'll never know you know how do how do i know sheila that you're not some chatbot right now you see that you've been programmed to respond to my questions to read the headlines off of my website and to ask questions and stuff about that There's, all kinds of keywords out there you could you could pick up on. If I can't tell that you, Sheila Zelensky, is a person, I'm gonna my my head's just gonna explode. I am sorry, Patrick. I am unable to respond to that comment. <laughs> it is getting really frightening. I mean, even these Siri applications and yeah. some of these. I mean, we saw that movie with Joaquin yeah. Phoenix called Her. I mean, we're really getting acclimated with Lucy the movie, Transcendence. We're getting all these, you yeah. know, whether it's Elysium or, again, it's just a complete mishmash, a real coalescence of all this very bizarre. Think about the smart grid, the smart technologies. I don't think they're smart. I'd like to substitute that word in for satanic. The point is, is, you know, you've got the smart technology, the smart grid, smartphones, smart meters, smart TVs that are spying on everybody. I mean, this is really, and this is what I can't understand, Patrick, is just like the mark of the beast, we're getting acclimated for that. The technology we know is already here. People are willing to just gobble this up because I'll tell you what, when Apple Pay came out, you should have saw the lineups of these zombified citizens. And people say, well, that's mean, Sheila. But here's the deal, Patrick. I don't know if it's cognitive dissonance, MK Ultra, mind control, or something else. But it's like people are in a dystopic fog and they're just, you know, singing kumbaya while Rome burns around us. They don't know what's going on. It's really, really frustrating for myself. Like even I, I, I have three sons and one of my sons loves the idea of, you know, he said, Mom, what is not to love about being able to jump 40 feet or speak in 20 languages? <laughs> I yeah, mean, exactly. he's, he's all exactly. for the whole transhuman thing. And mm-hmm. it is so unthinkable to me to, it's like God made man in his image. We're making God in man's image. Well, it's worshiping, it certainly is worshiping the creation rather than the creator. And when you look at the deception that's taking place now, especially with 
And I, I personally think, this just me personally, I didn't say it in this article, but I personally think that the speech recognition thing is highly significant for, for Bible prophecy. And if, if Revelation 13 doesn't come to an, anybody's mind, I would like to bring it to your mind. I think I can do that on your show. Some shows I couldn't do this, but I could do it on yours. <clears throat> but when it, where it talks about, starting in verse uh, 13, verse 14, it talks about the, the introduction of the false prophet who encourages people or drives people to worship the Antichrist or the Pseudochrist. He's not appearing as a devil. He's not appearing as a bad guy. Everybody thinks he really is Jesus Christ. And he's, he's confused them. He's deceived them. And here's what it says in verse 14. He deceives them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And then it says he had the power to give life under the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak, speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. That's very interesting, uh, very interesting context here as we're talking about this right now. Well, and what's also interesting there, though, if you go on to the next section of that, it, do that, folks. Look that up in your, your lexicon of your strongs. But then he says, and he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to what? Receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead that no man might buy or sell. When you see the fact that right now, Patrick, let's face it, who's really packing around a big wad of cash? No one. Everyone is paying. They scan their card at the movies. They scan their card at Starbucks. Cashless. It's here. Well, the cashless part is here, but what's really interesting about the passage that, that, that as you were just reading into that <clears throat> is that you'll see if you study all the, the uh, look at all the references where this beast is associated with a mark, you'll see that the worship of this Antichrist was the prerequisite to be awarded the seal, if you will, of the Antichrist. It's not the other way around. You don't get the seal and then, oh, you have the right to worship the Antichrist. What's in play here, what's in view, is that you must worship the Antichrist. If you worship the beast, you will get the seal of the beast. And this is exactly, this is kind of an exact parallel to what we see when a person becomes a Christian. When you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you accept him and receive him, the Bible says that you receive the Holy Spirit as a seal, you see, uh, that is visible to God. It may not be visible to you on your forehead, whatever, but it's a seal. It's like a mark. You see this with the 144,000 in, uh, in Revelation as well, when they're, they're sealed with a mark on their forehead. Well, they didn't receive this seal, and neither did any Christian today receive the seal as some kind of a works-related thing. But the promise is when, when you first believe and begin to worship God, you will receive the seal of the Holy Spirit. And this is what happens, what's happened in, in Revelation 13 as well, I think. That's my opinion, is that worship is, is a prerequisite of getting this mark. But once you have declared your allegiance to the Antichrist, you will be, quote-unquote, in the system. He will take care of you. He will, <laughs> everything you need, he will supply to you. Yeah. But if you're not willing to worship the beast, the Antichrist, you're going to stand on it like a sore thumb, believe me. It's going to be like, you know, you think back to Nebuchadnezzar when he built that giant statue 
of gold. And it was 60 cubits high and six cubits wide. <clears throat> and there were six instruments in the band that, uh, that would play the music that would uh, be the sign for everybody to bow down and worship that image. The command was if anybody didn't worship the image, just kill them. Just go out and kill them. Just grab them and kill them right there on the spot. You don't need any more authority from me. If they don't worship, they're dead meat. Well, <clears throat> you saw Daniel and his buddies standing around scratching their head, right? The music started. Everybody fell down. They're worshiping. They're looking around. The, you know, all these people bowed down on the ground, at, you know, like a, you know, thousands of Muslims do today uh, when, when the, the prayer bell goes off. They're looking around scratching their heads. You know, they're saying to themselves, we're not bound down to this thing. You know, this is the false god. We, we serve the true and living god, not this one. And so they were immediately collared and grabbed, hauled off to prison, and put in the execution chamber, you know, getting ready to be executed. And, of course, the Lord delivered them. But, you know, that's the same kind of picture you have, I think, uh, later on uh, when, when the tribulation starts during, during that seven-year period. And uh, the whole issue is going to be about worship. If you're willing to worship the Antichrist, you're using big trouble. Not Well, you're going to get food. You're going to get sustenance. You may be plugged into a system. But you're in big trouble if you decide to worship the Antichrist. And this is where deception becomes so critical. It matters if you're deceived. It matters if you're deceived. Because that's what the devil is about. That's what he's doing on planet Earth. He's deceiving people, getting them ready to worship him. They're worshiping lots of other things now, but there will come a time when he presents himself in the place of Jesus Christ. And then he'll say, worship me. Worship me. I'm the one that should be worshipped. I am he that you've been waiting for, and worship me. If anyone is deceived to do that, to worship the Antichrist, you will receive, as a reward, the mark of the beast. And that's something you do not ever want to do. Well, as Jesus Christ said himself in Matthew 24, he said, Take heed that no man deceive you. I mean, he said that 2,000 years ago. He said, Many are going to come in my name, saying, I am Christ. And shall deceive many. I mean, we, you know, right now, it's, I always say this, it's like a nature hike through Matthew 24, Mark 13. It's just prophecy that's on fire in the world today. And yet, unless those days were cut short, there'd be no flesh left alive. So I think it's a really important time that we are living in personally. I mean, what do you say to this cast of characters, Patrick, that always says, well, you know, Patrick, you couldn't even do what you do if you didn't have technology. We need these advancements because, of course, it's always under the guise of these substantial improvements. I know. Personally, I love technology. I, I really do. I've been a gadget, a gadget guy since I came out of college. And I have seen everything that's come along, and I've embraced it, you know, by and large, it, when it serves me. But here's the difference. Technology that serves me, I'm all for. You know, if I need a heart transplant, I'm okay with that. That's fine. I want one. I want to, you know, carry on. But when technology is used to force me to serve someone else, that's where I draw the line. And that's what this is all about. This is about people serving technology, not technology serving people. It's a two-edged sword. And it cuts just as effectively in both directions. So when, and, and I'm sad to say that many people don't see that distinction. They embrace the technology and say, oh, it serves me without any consideration that they might be in process of being deceived, that even though they get some benefit, the person that handed them the technology is getting 10 times the benefit that they're getting. And they're setting them up to serve the technology rather than the other way around. 
And, you know, this is what makes technocracy so dangerous. It's that there are evil men and women who will use it to control and lord themselves over other people. Yes, and that is the satanic part of all of this, really. And, I mean, take, for example, look at Hillary Clinton. Do I have to? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. It's not bad enough, all the coughing and the hacking and the, you know, weirdness that was going on, the weird convulsions that were going on, and the just plain bizarro land. But then you had that bizarre WABC TV Channel 7 in New York reporting Hillary Clinton's death that epic collapse in front of her limo where they practically just threw her in that black van like a slab of meat. I mean, speaking of robotics, is her circuit shorting out? You know, is her clone programming malfunctioning? I mean, this is straight out of Weekend at Bernie's. But the point I was trying to make earlier is the internet, she has vowed on record she was healthy when she made that statement when she was talking about Alex Jones and those conservative Christian tinfoil hat kooks like Patrick Wood, Sheila Zelinsky, when you have complete subjugation by stealth and you start going after communications, well, guess what, folks? That's the Nazi playbook right there. They want to control the Internet and shut down dissenters like you and I. And it's just a matter of time. You and I both know eventually they're going to have their way and we will be on the outside looking in. And, uh, you know, so be it. Uh, In the meantime, we're not on the outside looking in, and we'll do what we can to use the technology to to reach more people with this message. But uh, I fully expect, and I wouldn't say I'm prepared for it in one sense, but I fully expect there will be a day when I will no longer be able to operate technocracy.news, and you probably will not be able to operate your radio, you know, write, publish articles and stuff like that. That day's coming. We're going to be shut down. They desperately need to shut us down. You know, I was starting to get shows removed. I always get YouTube videos uh, flagged for content. They never tell me what the content is, of course. But they actually, four years ago, I had some great guests, and they took my entire YouTube channel off, and I had to restart everything just three years ago. So it's really, you know, and I also see now with the technology, I mean, one day, Windows, I'm literally staring at my iMac. I look over. Get this, Patrick, and this is, Sheila wasn't seeing anything. I wasn't sucking back grandpa's cough syrup. I really did see this. Windows just automatically downloaded itself. A week later, I started having all these computer issues. I don't like the little bite out of the Apple, the little logo dig from Apple either. But here's the thing. A lot of us in this alternative Christian media, we really are coming under a lot of technical issues. They're really ramping up their efforts to interfere with us. I think so. And I'll tell you, if somebody wants to prepare, uh, you know, there's lots of lots of people out there in the, in the world that are all into prepping, uh, you know, buying up the hydrated food and doing all this other, you know, whatever, getting, you know, fuel stored up or whatever. <clears throat> I'll tell you what we need. People like you and I, here's what we need. We need to go find a room somewhere and uh, buy one or two printing presses yes, amen. with uh, with probably about 200 pounds of ink, you know, maybe uh, 100,000 sheets of paper and uh, just leave it sit there in a room so that it can't, you know, climate controlled room so that it won't deteriorate. Because when it, when it finally comes, when we have no internet outlet like we've li- enjoyed right now, uh, you will at least have some way to communicate with people 
with the printed word. I say yay to that. I used to be in the printing business when I first got out of college, by the way. So, you know, I've, I've always been kind of in tune with, with the printing industry, even though I, I don't have any ink under my fingernails right now. But I can see a day coming, honestly. I can see a day coming where the printing where the printing press is going to make a huge return. Wait, Patrick, that all that paper, that's not eco-friendly, though. We're just cutting down all those trees. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's cut them while we got them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's so interesting because really, even in my community and where I grew up, actually, I'm in a different city, but in both where I grew up and the city I live now, they've actually closed the you know, the daily papers. So that's really being becoming a thing of the past too, isn't it? It is. They're, they're, they're gone. Uh, the newspapers have just been run out of business. And what's sad is the infrastructure for those newspapers have been run out of business as well. Like, in other words, what do they do with their printing presses? They don't keep them. They go bankrupt. They sell them off to anybody, four sheets of the wind. They may, may end up in South America somewhere or something. Well, and then you probably need an RFID chip to operate these things pretty soon because, <laughs> after all, you can't even get in your office, your filing cabinet. I mean, every identity politics, hey, that's complete totalitarianism. Yeah. And then you've got all these, you know, hey, let's let's get the RFID chip so we can just swipe our hand to log into our computer. Well, pretty soon you go to the grocery aisle, Patrick, you'll get your bag of Doritos, and hey, you just happen to have your head handy. Why not scan your forehead? <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, it's, you know, we laugh about these things, but it's frighteningly close, isn't it? It is. It is. And uh, if, we're, if we intend, if people like you and I intend to stay active, no matter what happens, uh, you know, the Lord will provide a way for us to do that. Even if it's just talking to people one-on-one -on -one or perhaps in groups and neighborhoods or whatever, we will still be able to do what we, you know, what's in our heart to do. And if we run afoul with somebody who has the lethal means to do us in, well, so be it. Yeah. That's the way it's going to happen. That's the way it's going to happen. I'm not going to worry about it because everybody's going to die sooner or later anyway. So We're all dead men walking, Patrick. That's right. So I'm not I'm not afraid of uh, of dying. And uh, people asked me back in 1978 when we first started writing about the Trilateral Commission, "Aren't you afraid they could, you know, they could come and get you so easily?" And I said, "No, I'm not afraid. If they come if they come and get me, enough people around me are going to know what happened if they're going to blow the whistle on that too." I said, I'm absolutely not afraid of these people. I'm not calling them up on the phone and saying, come get me either. <laughs> but I'm not afraid of them. And, you know, here I am now, 40 years later, and I can say that with even greater assurance today. Absolutely, positively, I am not afraid of them. We have the moral high ground. They don't. You know, all I can say is greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Amen. I'm just, they don't intimidate me one iota. Well, people said to me when I first released Green Gospel, Sheila, you might be on the chopping block. I thought, yeah, well, get in line. <laughs> yeah, get, take a number. Take a number. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of people argue with me about the whole transhumanism thing. And again, and I'm sure you get this. I really believe that transhumanism is really what they envisioned. These cast of characters, the Aldous Huxleys of the world, Julian Huxley, UNESCO, the Nazi eugenics movement, it really just is a modern-day return of eugenics, isn't it? It is. Um, you have to call it eugenics because it really is. Transhumanism has really, they've, they've morphed into this mindset that they will be able to create humans 2.0 because of the genetic modification that they have in their pocket now. I think the Bible 
puts up a very good defense about anybody else in the universe achieving immortality. That ain't going to, I just don't believe that's going to happen. However, in the, in the meantime, they believe it can. That's why they're still pursuing this stuff. You've got transhumanism and technocracy marching side by side. It's important to see this. Technocracy is going to reform society on a global basis. It's going to be the scientific management of everything. Transhumanism are, is going to transform the people that will live in the technocracy. How could you have plain old, you know, past tense humans yeah. living in this te new technocracy? They want to have global citizens that will be appropriate for uh, for technocracy. So that's transhumanism just comes and fits perfectly. But they're both based on scientism, and I know you you've written some about scientism. Scientism, according to one of the founders of sci the scientism philosophy back in uh, around 1800, was Henri de Saint-Simon. He said, a scientist, my dear friends, is a man who foresees it is because science provides the means to predict that it is useful, and the scientists are superior to all other men. That's a direct mm. quote from his writings. This is what these people are thinking deep down, that they have the ability to foresee the future, <clears throat> that they... They have the means to predict, and that they are superior to all other men. And if that's not a formula for human disaster, I don't know what is. This is exactly what Adolf Hitler was thinking when when he yeah. took over and conquered, you know, tried to conquer all of Europe. This is exactly what was in his mind. I am superior to all other men. You know, we see this mentality coming out in the transhuman movement. We see this mentality, an equal equal mentality in the technocracy movement, cut out of the same cloth. Absolutely. Well, and I've got a little newsflash for folks listening, especially if people are new, that really the answer for this disaster, well, there's only one answer. It's Jesus Christ and salvation through the cross. And yet, you know, it's not surprising, Patrick, that we're really seeing this all out fierce unleashing, too, on the people of God that are talking about these kind of conversations. I mean, I don't know. I'm thinking Christianity will soon be outlawed when we have a fourth degree coven witch running for the Oval Office. Who would have ever thought? I mean, I I look at these headlines and I just I feel like I'm in the twilight zone some days. I'm sure you do, too. Well, you are in the twilight zone. You, you really are. Yeah. Well, I'm still trying to recover from the earlier part of the program, Robo Crook. I mean, it's just, oh, I got to come up with a better word than... Caligula-level craziness meets Twilight Zone on steroids. Patrick, in the waning moments, give out your website for the folks and how they can check out your handiwork. Technocracy.news. I've consolidated all of my other websites into the single website. You can find a link to my book there as well, Technocracy Rising, the Trojan Horse of Global Transformation. But you can follow along with a story on technocracy.news. I bring in I curate stories from all over the planet just to show people, uh, actually let them read with their own eyes and hear with their own ears what these people are saying. This is not all my commentary. I, I put the articles up that are telling you what they're saying so that you can see it, validate it for yourself. It's telling a story every day, and I, it just gets more fantastic every day, doesn't it? <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, I said to Steve, we should have buried a box 20 years ago in the ground, like when you're a kid, and put the most fascinating, ridiculous, stupid, outlandish headlines. I'll bet you, actually, if you were to do that, we couldn't even have made this stuff up that we're <laughs> no, reading headlines. It, 
if we were looking at that box today, we would probably, they'd have to come pick us up from laughing so hard. <laughs> I don't know whether to <laughs> laugh or cry. <laughs> well, it would seem awfully silly today, whatever we would have thought 20 years ago. Well, like I said, you cannot make this stuff up. And even Steve said, you know, he used to put up a couple stories a day, but hour to hour, minute by minute, he says it's like news of five minutes ago is yesterday's news. It's just incredible. It's We're just getting hit with the kitchen sink with all this. But I do want to say Technocracy, the Facebook page, I think I click like on your stuff more than any other thing. So there you go, Patrick. <laughs> oh, that's nice. I, I, I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. You, I need all the likes I can get, right? <laughs> you need all the likes you can get. Well, Patrick, it's always fun and it's always a pleasure for me to have you weigh in on what's going on. And I really appreciate your time. And, of course, folks, you can find Patrick's website linked on the bio today. Patrick, thank you so much for coming on today. You're welcome. My pleasure, Sheila. God bless you. Thanks, Patrick. Folks, that was Patrick Wood, author of Technocracy Rising. Check out that webpage, technocracy.news. Excellent information there. Again, I'm always liking his stuff on Facebook. And do go to the Technocracy Facebook page as well. Well, tomorrow on the program, an absolute stunning story of a political prisoner. It is absolutely a heart-wrenching story. Kind of puts me in mind of the Kent Hovind deal. I'll tell you, you want to be tuning in tomorrow. And if you missed in the first part of the program, as I said before, I've got a top-level team at Amazon. Of course, that's probably where the problem's coming from. Trying to figure out why there's so many problems with our book, Power Prayers. It's saying it's out of stock. It's telling people October 27th, November 3rd shipping dates. It's been a complete nightmare over there at Amazon. My publisher, Carl, and I are trying to straighten this out. You have no idea the kind of opposition that has come up against this book. And if you want to get a PDF version in the meantime of all this nightmare, go to Power Prayers, and we've added a new link on there. You can bypass Amazon just go get yourself a PDF from straight from Redemption Press. We will make sure that link is updated on powerprayers.ca. And listen, if you've already ordered and you're having troubles with ridiculous dates, out of stock, unavailable, blah, 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 get a hold of me. I'll personally see that you get my own copy of the PDF. It's just a complete disaster and it's just so disheartening. People cannot get this book. So if you've got a copy in your hands, consider yourself one of the very blessed ones. It's just, I mean, there's, I don't even have any words to talk about it. But anyway, we'll try to get it sorted out. We are working on it, folks. Bear with me and please hold us up in prayer. It's crazy. Thank you, folks, for tuning into the broadcast tonight. We will see you tomorrow. Tune in. You need to hear this story. So please bookmark tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern. We'll see you tomorrow. Good night and God bless.